0: Welcome to the 47th episode of In the Between. My name is Danny. And this is Nadia.
1: And today we're gonna talk
0: about (laughs) Danny. Take it away. Logo (laughs) Mania. Why do we love logos so much? Do I love logos?
1: I don't know. But I realize now that if we do video, we can do like hand gestures and be totally uncool. I love that. Okay.
0: Um, (laughs) I love it. Yeah, we're gonna
1: talk about logomania. Um, and I think it kind of made us think about whether we like logos and I'm not sure for myself.
0: Yeah, it's an oscillating thing. I mean, it does bring a lot of attention to oneself when you wear the logos and I think it sends quite a lot of different messaging, which we will think about today as we think about the past of Logomania and how we've seen it currently. So, obviously, branding or, like, making a logo probably has been there since, I don't know, since cavemen started exchanging things with each other (laughs) and trying to mark whose work was what, (laughs) I'm imagining. Uh, But Um, we've seen it on cattle, like, on animals, on anything that people have tried to own. And so, when we think about fashion, since the beginning of, like, the fashion system and couturiers, couturiers have, like, put in, like, their kind of logos or their signatures onto their garments from the beginning to kind of show this is an original this was made by whose hand etc etc but i guess the logomania we're thinking about today is more of like the big luxury brand logomania that kind of began in the 80s
1: yeah for sure um i'm just thinking about you know the idea of like brands being really attractive through, you know, H&M collaborating with brands as well. Do you know what I mean? You know, so yes. the idea of logos and brands, I mean, it's, it's something that's coveted, something that's aspirational. And I was also just thinking about what I own that has logos that are really prominent. So mm-hmm. um, I think my first big purchase was a YSL bag, um, the Kabas Chic uh, with Y of course, and um and I thought when I bought that um it was like a symbol of like i don 't know like maturity or like financial independence and and all that and this is I think back in maybe like eight eight seven, eight years ago um and i I still carry it till today um I'm sure you've seen it before the one that I like just hang um you know, but the idea of that why right. It's like if you know, you know. Why stands for what. And you know, it I guess the idea of logos meaning something is also that it signifies you can afford it. There's the idea that it's expensive. If you can afford to buy that, then you know you're of a certain status, a certain yeah. class. Um, yeah. and <clears throat> I have throughout the years, you know, I mean I think we've talked about this in the previous episode, I like to buy things and sell things off again and I like to buy things secondhand and you know I'm always looking for um, really interesting bags I guess you know that I can buy secondhand and then like sell off again and I feel like as I have grown if I could say more discerning over the years <laughs> I try to find um, things that are not that obviously you know like I don't know Chanel or YSL or anything like that but more like oh this is an interesting kind of design and um, only people who are like super in the know of what the brand has pushed out would know what it is. Mm. Yeah. What about yeah. for you, Danny? Do you do you buy anything with logos?
0: Um, not really, but I think, I mean, if we're talk, we're talking about overt logos. Mm-hmm. Um, not so much. Not that I can think of. But of course, there are some things that become signature of designers that. I don't know, become like their their patents or whatever. But honestly, what I do love about mania, if I was to have anything, it would be something from the original 1980s, Master of Logos, who was dapper then. And so in the 1980s, there was like a big, big, things were flourishing all around the world in popular culture. And whereas right now it's very common for like hip hop and street musicians to be wearing like head-to-toe Gucci, head-to-toe luxury labels. In the 80s, it wasn't so much like uh, hip hop music was considered urban music. It was like from the streets. It wasn't something that luxury labels wanted to be associated with. So what uh, Dapper Dan did was that he kind of bootlegged the whole system. And what he would do is he would get these silk screens and create his own um, silk screens with like patterned, let's say LV or Gucci logos, and then silk screen them onto leather and then create his own like monogram leather. And from that leather, Mm. he would create this amazing um, street-inspired oversized jackets and like head-to-toe looks for different Mm. musicians or uh, black celebrities like Mike Tyson, Uh, Nirmie Campbell went there, many uh, LL Cool J, so all these big musicians kind of elevated their look by wearing uh, these monogram garments that were actually not real but were all custom made by Dapper However, in 1992, Gucci actually kind of sued him and said that he was like bootlegging and they shut down his atelier in Harlem. And that's the last we heard of him until a few years ago when Logomania came back and Gucci actually copied, uh, like ripped off one of his designs. And then because of the internet, everyone kind of knew that it was his work. So then Gucci had to retract and it was like a big PR nightmare. So they ended up hiring Dapper Dan and giving him back his atelier in Harlem. So I that's one of my favorite stories when I think about uh, Logomania and like how um, it kind of you could argue that it began on the streets and then the luxury labels realized that hey people want to wear this like toe to top to toe um head to toe uh, logo monogrammed all over them and then they started creating these looks for the market
1: yeah definitely i mean that's a really interesting story because it kind of came full circle yeah um, yeah, and um, I'm also just thinking about, you know, why it is that people love these logos in the 80s. I mean, because there was this ostentatious display of wealth um, that people were really going for. There was the idea that, you know, part of your identity would be written by what you chose to wear. Um, and, you know, all these brands and what they stood for, they were a shorthand for people to say, well, that's me too, you know, and I'm part of this group too. Um so I'm just thinking also about, you know, other brands at this time that were really popular. And of course, one of the things, uh, one of the brands would be Calvin Klein. You know, like in the 80s, yeah. you had, uh, well, I guess in the late 80s, early 90s, you know, when there was the campaign, like, you know, nothing between me and my Calvins, right? So it's not even like Calvin Klein's, but nothing between me and my Calvins. And it's so familiar because you're using the first name. First name, um, yeah. Just like, yeah, Beyonce, like a first name. <laughs> exactly, you know, it's like, before that even happened. And uh, I'm thinking about that really iconic image that was shot by Herb Ritz in 1992 when it's Mark Wahlberg or Marky Mark with um, Kate Moss. And at this time, I think Kate Moss was the new name and uh, Mark was Mark, like my friend too, Mark, um, <laughs> was also much better known. And they were just sort of like Kate Moss is sitting on Mark Wahlberg. And you can see like the bend, the waistband of the underwear is, you know, very visible, I'm peeking out, just like shown. Um, and it just says Calvin Klein, and it was such a sexy thing to wear apparently. I mean, I, I don't think it's gonna happen now because, yeah, I just can't fathom that happening. Now it's more about like showing your bras, <laughs> your pralettes. Um
0: Yeah, I, I guess it was like a very, again like back to our underwear episode, it's like um, showing something that's meant to be covered, right? It, it, yeah. And- then it's a bit risqué. Yeah, and and that kind of also is a different type of logomania. So it became really about the name. So we had people like Tommy Hilfiger also being like the name and the red, white and blue color that you wanted to be seen
1: yeah and then these logos also kind of got tied up with celebrities you know so like in these campaigns they always use celebrities like tommy Hilfiger. i remember like Aliyah was really um the face of tommy Hilfiger, right yeah I mean, like, like tommy girl um
0: yes.
1: and so when you wore these logos like you there's no question about it it's like if you're wearing tommy Hilfiger, you're like oh you're as cool as Aliyah. you're a tommy girl <laughs> like aaliyah um, you know, if you wear Calvin Klein's, you are like, you know, in the ranks of like all these people. And of course, at this, at that time, there was also like the fragrances, right? CK1 and all that. So, yes. you know, you could really literally like wear everything and be that brand. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that kind of translated into, um, I think maybe the 2000s, we would see that in in China. I mean, that's that was kind of the joke, right? You know, they, they would say like, if you are a... a Nouveau, uh rich, then you would be wearing like you know top to toe like logos. I mean, this was way before like it became cool with like Gucci and whatnot, like or yeah. in, in any but, way like a pop rap kind of thing. Yeah, me get- I mean
0: it. It did. It did have uh, like you said, like new money kind of connotations because um, all the money is meant to be like very refined and doesn't want to show off and doesn't want to be ostentatious. But new money is like the, yeah, the running joke is that they want people to know, like, how prosperous they are now, Um, but there was also uh, people like um, Paris Hilton, who wear all these, like, top-to-toe logos in the 2000s, so there was all Mm these different threads running um, within the fashion markets, right, That, that were... So mm-hmm. that's why it becomes a, it became even more confusing so why frozen. the person who's swearing Are you there, Danny? Yeah. Uh oh. I'm here. Are Danny. we having one of the you there? I'm here. Hello. Yes, I think I lost you for a while there. I was about to text you. Yeah. I w- I w- i've been here the whole time it was just um oh no I think, it, I think you were jammed let me just put this so i can like okay sure Then i'll pick it up Uh, what do i continue with mm. um maybe we just go back to like the new money
1: okay great yeah okay. i caught what you said um about um paris Hilton
0: yes so the in in the two thousands there was like also another running thread with people like Paris Hilton, who's like a heiress and like uh inherited lots of money, and she would also wear um head to toe logos and she did it as like it's meant to be very ostentatious and it's meant but she could afford to look cheap, you know mm. like because. Mm people know that she is like rich. So then yeah, there is so all this mixed signaling of like taste and bad taste and money and that have been that have gotten um, intermingled with logomania.
1: Yeah and I think um, well I guess that for for her that might have been an ironic thing. So it's like, well, I can do this. and But the thing is, um, I think a lot of people were also thinking she was quite crass in how she was dressing. Yes. And it kind of tied in with the reality show she did with Nicole Richie, right? A Simple Life. Yes. I remember I used to watched that and I thought it was quite appalling the way they <laughs> behave. Um, yeah, but I think also, if you think about logo mania and the most obvious logo that people go for um, in Asia, it will be Louis Vuitton. And I remember when I was doing... Um, an exchange program in like 2007 yeah 2007 thereabouts and um i remember that in paris uh, in the louis Vuitton, my friend was hired because she could speak mandarin and that's because like anyone who lined up there was from china you know and mm-hmm. they really wanted to buy um the the clothes and the bags and it was like the more logos the better you know so If you had, like, the monogram leather, yes, they wanted it. If they had, like, the big L and the big V, yes, they wanted it. And that's what they went for. And it's really about, I think, you know, this pent-up kind of, like, um, wish, aspiration, you know, to be able to afford these things. That when they they can, they're just like, we're going to go for it. And we love it. And we're celebrating our own success. And there's nothing wrong with that, obviously. Um, Yes, yeah, you know, or like wearing the the Hermes belt with the H, um, you know, things like that. It becomes yeah, um, yeah just a shorthand for for what people stand for. People appreciate. People can afford. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Chinese example is very specific as well because until the nineteen eighties, they were not encouraged to to be bourgeois or to kind of. Um, buy luxury and just think of themselves, but to be more social thinking, like to think about the people and not just themselves. Um, So it wasn't cool to like have all these logos showing how much money you are spending on things. Whereas after the 1986, then there was an increase in like people being more individualistic with their purchases. Um, and brands began to realize this so we have of course as you've mentioned Louis Vuitton who started doing all these cross collaborations um, especially when Marc Jacobs was there he would have um, he collaborated with Steven Sprouse and then with Takashi Murakami um, the Japanese market was huge as well for luxury goods so then they started using these um, artists that resonated more with those um, markets as well. Th- that's very fun, actually. I really love the Takashimura Kami Louis Vuitton monograms. Mm. That colorful um, LV logo. Yeah. And uh, in, in in Asia, especially like in Singapore or even when you when I go to uh, Kuala Lumpur to Pataling Street, you see tons of these like LV and monogram fakes. And I don't know if you've ever bought one when you were younger. Like when I was younger, I, I think I might have bought something to be ironic or like a Tokidoki like fake, you know. Hmm. What makes you think I've stopped? <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have. I haven't seen um, them. <laughs> yes, you have, but you don't. You didn't think they were fake. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> No, I think yeah, it's it's funny because I've I've had this conversation with um others as well about how like actually you know the ironic thing is like you try to buy these branded things to or like these really big logo things to show like oh I can afford it and it's, it's something about me, but then what happens is if you look like somebody who wouldn't buy a fake and then you buy a fake, no one's gonna think it's fake. Do you know what I
0: mean? That's true. So it's
1: almost as if like you no, as an individual it's so much can also more
0: than just the object.
1: Yeah, Yeah. so as an individual, you can also influence how other people think about what you have. Yeah, so anyway, I have I have fake things, Danny. As you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> one of my best pers- purchases, um, I know people are going to be like, how could you, how dare you, but actually all my students know that I do this and that I, f- I find it funny sometimes. Um, and I, I don't, you know, to me, this is what I think, okay? If you're not someone who's going to buy luxury anyway because you can't afford it or like you just don't want to then it's like there's no love lost there you you were never going to you know so in my mind and this might be controversial I think that people who buy counterfeit luxury products there's like a market for it and there's like an audience for it um you know and it's different from yeah the ones who would buy the, the real deal so to speak and anyway the real deal is really expensive because it's totally marked up and part of what makes it alluring and exciting is because it's so expensive yeah okay just putting it out there not sure that it's, it's a popular stance. Um, but, okay, I must say that was once I bought a pair of um, Gucci loafers. And I delighted in telling everyone it was uh, not real. Because nobody thought it was not real. And, so
0: they were um, really so good
1: fake. Yeah, they were really good fake. I mean, <laughs> I can give you the account. And you can go and buy. But, like, you know, in, in the counterfeit industry, there's, like... Um, the, the one-to-one, right? The grade AA, the great B, great C and whatnot. So, yeah. So, there's this account I've been following. Um, I haven't bought something in a long time, actually. But uh, I bought these you know, those Gucci loafers that were really popular for a while. The one that's so, that that was furry the fur? and stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. I didn't buy the fur one because I, I find okay. it very gross. Like, I'm, I, I'm sweaty feet. so um, But I bought the, the one with the embroidered, like, flower, like the rose on top of it. So, it wasn't... So, it was very obviously gucci it's not very like logo logo kind of um, pair of shoes but if you're talking about counterfeit and how you know um the whole idea of counterfeit goods is really that it must be recognizable then well it was super recognizable and everything was very well made i got like you know even the soles were like done well with like the gucci um brand and um it came in a gucci box it even came with like a receipt, like a credit card receipt. It was so weird. So
0: funny. That yeah. And it,
1: yeah, It's like from a... It's supposedly a from credit a card shop in China. I know. It's so weird. I have it so, at my desk so they, at work. they did want
0: you to believe that it was real?
1: I feel like they were trying to give you the experience you okay. would if you bought it real. Yeah. But it was... Yeah, it was really good. And... Uh, me being me, I was just telling everyone look at my shoes. Do you think they're real? And I'm like, you know what? They're not. <laughs> <laughs> so actually that's weird because like if you bought something fake, you want people to think it's real, right? But there I was like buying it and delighting in the fact that it was like not real. And I was showing it to all my students and I was showing them the credit card receipt and just thinking about how like, wow, well develop the counterfeit market. Counterfeit campaign.
0: industries. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's that's, a, that's quite interesting also from a psychological point of view. Like there's people mm. who say that um a lot of millennials wear things ironically, so to to kind of acknowledge the fitness or the counterfeitness of things is to be ironic about it as well. Oh, I'm a millennial. Oh, so maybe you are ironic.
1: I <laughs> had <laughs> presentation to the students this morning and someone introduced me to the term zennials. Oh, yes. Or zennials. Like, gen gen-, gen- Z. Yeah, yeah, it's like a gen. A Millennial, like, mash-up. Oh, okay, mesh up Oh, yeah, mash-up, (laughs) woohoo!
0: Well, um, it's also interesting because Logomania did begin from, like, luxury and has these ties with the street, as we've seen with Depardent. Then, in the 2010s, we began again with a new type of Logomania, which was streetwear Logomania, which is very strange because streetwear usually is, like, sports or active wear that doesn't usually cost much the materials are not like napa leather or like super beautiful silks but mostly jerseys and um denim maybe but branding has become such a branding has become such an integral part of fashion especially within the streetwear market that it has now it, it, fetches a lot of money. So as you are talking about the counterfeit market, I'm remembering this vice documentary about the counterfeit industry in South Korea. And it's not even counterfeit like luxury goods, it's counterfeit supreme and like streetwear labels. So that's really interesting because for streetwear, it's always about authenticity. It's always about like limited quantities about the real thing. So to have like a fake streetwear industry and it's really interesting to think about yeah, why people would do that when the chase and the and the finding of things is meant to be like the the currency of streetwear and of like um mm. cult labels
1: i feel like it has something to do with a sense of belonging. I think that the Logomania now versus the Logomania in the 80s might be a bit different. I mean suddenly the age group I think is quite different. So for yes. streetwear it tends to be younger um, or older people trying to be younger of course. Um, but you know the idea is of like belonging to a group or a cult or like to feel in the know to be on the inside. Um, and, you know, there's also the idea that when you wear these, and you can, like, go online and you can be part of a community as well. You know, like, people trade these all the time too. Um, and, you know, you have the sneakerheads as well. And then you can also do, like, hashtag supreme and, and whatever not. And kind of, like, put yourself out there and brand yourself with the brand, if, if that makes sense. And I think just kind of creating this sense of community. Um, Supreme has done really well with that. And also the idea of like limited edition is yeah. something that has very much helped um, that market too. And I think with counterfeit um, streetwear labels, I mean, to me, I'm just wondering like, what the price point is because I know that you know, streetwear labels, they aren't that forbidding in their prices. Oh, and I'm yeah. wondering how, how much cheaper it is you know, for, um, yeah, for that. I'm not sure. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Also, I mean, for collectors, the authenticity and the provenance of something is very important. So, if for, for example, if they are collecting counterfeits, then they will want to know it's a counterfeit. But they are collecting uh, authentic um, garments or shoes or bags, then they will want to know whether it's real or not. However, if it's something that like it's a young person trying to like wear this cool supreme top maybe yeah. they don't mind so much whether it's real or not I'm it'd be interesting to, to think more about that. Oh,
1: yeah, okay. I don't think, I think sometimes also it's just for the gram, you know, as they say. And mm-hmm. like, if you're just doing it for the gram and you're not really meeting any people, especially not during the pandemic, like what's stopping you from just buying something counterfeit and then photographing because no one's going to be able to scrutinize it up close, for instance, to see whether it's real or not. And maybe the idea is like, well, I'm just not going to buy the real thing because I don't have the money for that. Or like, I refuse to spend the money for that because it's not worth all that. Um and I'm just kind of taking it for my own means, for my own agenda, from, you know, just yeah. So I, I don't know, it's it's a very complicated kind of thing. And who knows what's gonna happen next. I mean, I'm just thinking about other brands like, you know, even Vetmong or like the idea of um how all these luxury labels now are also trying to create like limited edition items that are not for wearing. So things like, I don't know, key keychains or like you know, a pair of chopsticks. Um yeah.
0: Novelty, yeah. items.
1: novelty items exactly and you know it's like how I mean it's literally like elevating something very everyday with just the logo yeah and it sells for so much more and honestly I mean it's not as if it's super well or anything you can get something similarly well made in the market for like maybe like a few cents you know but um it's the idea of the marketing that goes on behind it it's again the idea of like branding and marketing and um just bind to the idea of being part of this community and of course some people do it for investment purposes like they buy it and then they sell it off you know the idea is that well I queued up I got it first but then if you want it you can buy from me and there's definitely a market for that that because yeah yeah, some people are just I don't have the time for it I can afford it so I'm just gonna like do this on the secondary market and there are so many like secondary marketplaces right like dedicated ones and also like very general ones where you can buy
0: these things yeah there's this one called goat for, for sneakers that go. With, oh, okay. Let me know what that is. Oh. That get sold in seconds. Yeah. So I guess the idea of Logomania has kind of like morphed a little bit from like super overt monograms to like things that recognizably look like a brand's key designs. Uh, we've also seen how like sometimes the logo, the monograms get subverted, either like as bootlegs or like get revamped, like for example, in Louis Vuitton's uh, Stephen Sprouse and Takashi Murakami collaborations. Um, and also the idea of counterfeits and how they have different markets, there's different grades, um, and perhaps why the reason some people choose to wear counterfeits or not. mm Yeah. And okay. I guess that's all we have for today, and we'll continue thinking about and spotting monograms. And <laughs> yes, no I think this episode whatsoever. kind of
1: morphed into like a different beast as we were talking. Um, but yeah, lots of strands that we picked up, um, you know, from earlier discussions, and I'm sure we're going to revisit this again when we're talking about other brands or other ideas that we have for the next episodes. So. Thank you for listening. Um, Thank you for listening to our ramblings and our musings. And if you like what you listen to, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or SoundCloud. And you can also follow us at In The Between on Instagram.
0: Thank you. Bye. Thank you.
1: Bye.